Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The Hot Talk Podcast is brought to you by Heinemann Services. Heinemann Services is a family owned and operated business whose work ethic and customer service will restore your confidence in handymen. They offer interior and exterior projects for your home or business, including repairs, installations, small remodels, landscaping, decks, fencing, and much more. Call Corey and his crew today at 479-347-9336. That's 479-347-9336. Hey guys, Kyle Sutherland here, and I want to thank you for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Hog Talk Podcast. We're going to be talking with former Razorback All-American and NBA player Ronnie Brewer, and we're going to discuss his role with the Ronnie Brewer Foundation, his recruitment out of high school during the coaching change with Nolan Richardson to Stan Heath, and more. Thank you again for listening, and hope you enjoy. So what's new in the world of Ronnie Brewer these days? I know that you're you're up in Northwest Arkansas, you're coaching now, and you're running the Ronnie Brewer Foundation. Just kind of talk about, I know that obviously for all of us, it's been a really crazy time right now, but yeah. talk about the Ronnie Brewer Foundation and what you got going on with the coaching at Fayetteville. Man, it's, it's, it's for sure a very uh, crazy, uncertain time right now. Um, you know, before this, I, I actually took on um, – Another company, um, I was running a transportation company, Brew Crew Transportation um, and Logistics. Uh, you know, during, you know, coronavirus, the last, you know, five months, it slowed and, you know, wasn't super passionate about it. So kind of had to switch direction from that. But I still am teaching at Fayetteville High School, uh, oral communication. I, I got my degree uh, in journalism. So um teaching oral communication, a head coach at uh, for the sophomore team, assistant JV coach, assistant varsity coach. Um, I coach AU basketball summer program with the Woods Elite, um, 16 and under. Um, and basically just run my foundation. Uh, and, and, you know, I, we also have a hair store up here, Hair Couture, um, 1618 North College, uh, that my mom, my sister, and I started um, nine years ago um, that, you know, we're very proud of. So, you know, Basically, right now, I'm just trying to stay out the way, stay healthy, um, and just be a mentor to these young student athletes uh, as they come through the Fayetteville High School basketball program. And for, as far as the Ronnie Brewer Foundation, that's that's like your dad, you, your mom. It's a family yeah. deal, right? Yeah. yeah. So do you guys just do stuff around the community, like oh, I guess all around Northwest Arkansas, or is it pretty much exclusively Fayetteville? Well, well, it's so so. In 2006, we started. Um, my dad used to do the Ron Brewer Boot Camp. And um, he started that. He did that every summer as he came back from the NBA to, to give back to kids. You know, to me, that was one of my fondest memories of, you know, ba- like early basketball and how I met a lot of my friends and, and close family friends for, you know, that, that I still have to this day. So, you know, I used to tell my mom, hey, if I ever get the opportunity to to make it big and make it pro, you know, I want to be able to get have a basketball camp. So the first two years in 2006 and seven. It was strictly a basketball camp um, and people were coming to me like um, sporadically. Hey, Ronnie, do you think you can help doing this, this and this? Do you think you can help doing this? And me with the, the heart that I have, I'm like, hey, I, I'll, I'll try to do as much as I possibly can to help pe- people out. 
Um, so 2008, we ended up starting the Ronnie Brewer Foundation um, on the board. I, I came up with a board, um, which uh, there are people around the community, uh, but also on the board is obviously my mom, my dad, my sister. Um, and uh, we we don't necessarily keep it only to Northwest Arkansas. Uh, at, when it was created in 2008, you know, whatever team I played for, I did events in those cities to be able to give back to the community that I was impacting where I was at. Um, but I also came back in the summertime and did different events. And even when I was on the road, um, we did events back home as far as backpack giveaway. I was, I was always there for that. We, we partnered with the boys and girls club. Um, and you know, that's one of our biggest partners because, you know, I grew up in that, that system um, and with those mentors and it, it really helped me. And so, you know, I wanted to do something and give back. So, you know, we did a back to school giveaway um, and school supply. We've been doing that since 2006. Um, we started doing a blessing basket during Thanksgiving. And uh, we used to give out tur- like frozen turkeys and, and, and uh, or, or hens to um, supply the community. And it started out with nine uh, for my number at the time. Then I went to 11. And then I was like, well, why not expand our reach? And we went to 100 and then, you know, feeding about over 250 families as far as giving out the blessing baskets. And then I had the idea and I, we were sitting around brainstorming. And I was like, you know, um, I've never, me personally, I've never cooked a Thanksgiving meal for my family. So not that I can't cook and not that I'm not good at cooking, but I've never done that. So I was like, how how can we assume that these families are really, you know, able to cook these these meals that we're providing for their family. So we then partnered with the Boys and Girls Club to um, kind of point out families that might be in a need. And we actually cook the food at the Boys and Girls Club and have a big Thanksgiving uh, dinner um, and be able to pass out the food to the community that's in need. Um, we then did started doing an initiative where we did a coat drive where people in Northwest Arkansas who need the coats um, we partnered uh, with the Children's Safety First Center. It's a, it's a, a, a center where they take sexually abused kids and, and mothers out of households um, and relocate them. And so we, we started helping them out with the, the programs I just told you, um, as well as providing um, uh, a toy drive so these families didn't have to, to not have Christmas. So we've, we've been doing that for a long period of time. Um, and then in the summertime, we have the Ronnie Brewer Brew Crew basketball camp. Unfortunately, this is the first year out of 14 years um, that we didn't have a basketball camp. Uh, so, but hopefully we can renew that next summer. Um, but, you know, if you go out to the Boys and Girls Club, it's one of the best um, facilities in America here in Fayetteville. Um, we were able to build, I was able to build a basketball gym to help, um, obviously, Northwest Arkansas is a growing area. And there's more kids that are falling in love with basketball. And so I wanted to be able to provide a space to be able to um, take some pressure off the people who are scheduling where you don't have to start games at 7 a.m. and have them going until 5 or 6 p.m. You could have them going in multiple courts. Um, and then I, we built a teen center out there to help um, with the mentorship uh, with the teens that, you know, that's a tough time for people to to going through life. So um, stay pretty busy. Um, and, uh, you know, just, um, try to be an influence I possibly can on the community and hopefully 
when people see me doing stuff, they can hopefully that, that gives them a, a urge to be able to do and provide for the community as well. Yeah, that's great stuff. And sticking along with, with your family, everyone around Arkansas, it's a fan knows that your dad was a part of the triplets that really helped set the foundation for what Arkansas basketball would eventually become. Mm-hmm. And there's no question that, you know, I'm sure at times growing up or a lot of your life growing up that, that you were compared to him or that you, you know, that you were known as Ron Brewer's son. But let's talk about you and your siblings. Now, I know that you all were probably, you coming from an athletic family, you guys all probably have an athletic background. Did y'all translate that into the house now? I mean, I can imagine when you guys were playing pickup games and stuff like that, that you were very competitive. But, I mean, was that even more so, like, in, in the house doing chores and stuff like that? <laughs> man, it, we, we, we had a weird childhood, man, uh, to be honest. Like, I had, like, I I used to hate washing dishes and my sister used to hate, like we used to have a list of chores that we had to do and, and we would compromise and, and it always ended up with competition. Not as far as like who could clean the best, or who could clean the fastest. It would be like, okay, I'll play you one-on-one or we play two-on-two losers. The two losers have to do all the chores. Um, and <laughs> I ended up always at the time because I was the youngest of five. I always was on the losing side. And so I always ended up having to mow the yard and clean the bathrooms and vacuum the houses, house um, and rake the leaves and take the trash out. And basically the only chore that I didn't have to really do um, because I wasn't that great at it. <laughs> and so my mom and my sister would do it was clean the dishes after my mom would cook Um but everything else, basically, I was doing, and you know, my dad would always say, you know, he knew he knew who, who lost because that'd be the the team that would be having to do all the 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 chores. But my dad would always be like, "Oh, Kenneth, did you bust them up today?" Or you know, he'd say something to Stefan or Kenny or Leisha, who, who like who got the best of who. And um, I was always on the losing end of that because I was the smallest. But you know, kind of hit a growth spurt and and. I would, at, when I got a little taller, I always wanted to play basketball against them because I was now bigger than them, and I wanted to pick on them and take advantage of all those years I was getting picked on and beaten in in in, in the house. Um, you know, my dad like my dad really didn't force us to do sports. Um, I just think that he knew the buttons to push to get us excited about stuff, and I think that we just ran with it and and never looked back and. You know, we all ended up being successful athletically, having pretty good careers. And, you know, it, it for us, it, it made it fun because it was something that wasn't forced upon us or demanded that we do and participate in. It was more that, you know, hey, this is fun. If you want to do it, um, you're more than welcome to. And talking about you guys playing sports, you and your siblings, uh, and I've heard you mention before that uh, you had played baseball, you you had your runs with track and field. But you were most passionate about basketball always. And did you get any other college looks from other sports, or was it mainly just basketball? Just basketball, man. Everything else was dares from my friends. Um, you know, all my friends started out being playing baseball, and my dad wanted me to be a baseball player, but I didn't have any any joy in doing that. Like I, I was doing it because my friends were doing it. I wasn't that great. Um, in my mind, like I was like, I, I don't think I can make it in, make it pro in baseball. Um, just because I didn't like I didn't like it as much as I did basketball. Um, but because my friends did it, I, I, I tried baseball out. Um, 
didn't wasn't a huge fan of football, but I, I mean, I, I love football. But as far as me playing, wasn't a huge fan. I would go out for football because all my friends would play for football. And then it'd be like the coach would be like, hey, you mean, need to make a conscious effort. Are you going to put 110 percent effort in this or are you going to put 110 effort in basketball? And I was like, hey, it's probably going to be basketball um, other than anything else. Um, and then same thing with track. You know, Wallace um, Spearman is my best friend, one of my best friends. And, you know, he's him and Cedric Logan were. You know, two of the fastest guys in the state of Arkansas. Chris Baker is one of them. Uh, Brandon Barnett is another guy. Um, and, um, you know, I just went out for track because Wallace went out for track and he said that he wasn't going to play basketball if I didn't go out for track. So never got a scholarship offer for football or baseball or, or track because um, I didn't play them. I didn't play any of those sports long enough. Uh, I qualify. I won a track meet uh, at the high jump and qualify for state but the bet was i only had to come out for one track meet and so that's what i did and f- fulfilled that um and then i kind of retired from that per se as far as your basketball recruiting now nolan richardson was fired in 2002 right before the end of the season that was your junior year of high school and i would assume i mean i i can imagine that he had already reached out to you he had been recruiting you and if so did, how long did it take stan heath to call you once he was hired yeah. Well, there's been a a, a, um, a rumor that's that has gone around for forever long that I wasn't coming to Arkansas because Nolan Richardson was the coach and he wasn't recruiting me. The thing how false that is is Coach Richardson has such a close relationship with my dad, Mike Anderson, Coach Delic, uh, Coach Zim, um, Dave England, all those guys. They were basically like family to me because I was around them all the time. And basically, you know, we used to go to this thing that they used to have a a back to school um, event where, you know, they would come out and they they, uh, have a barbecue, welcome back to school. And they'd eat, play cars, dominoes, chill at Beaver Lake for a while and then go back. Um, That's actually the place where I ended up breaking my arm when I was in fifth grade. But, you know, Coach Richardson basically said, Hey, Ronnie, like I've, I, I know who you are. I, I know your game. I've seen you. You've been around the program your whole entire life. Like as a seventh grade, he was like, man, there's a there's a there's a scholarship offer for you. Like It's always going to be there for you. Um, you don't have to like think or, or worry about if there's going to be a scholarship for you. Um, and so. Um, basically, before he got fired. Every assistant, um, I mean, Coach A didn't miss a game as far as AU, um, high school, would come at practice. Like, great relationship. His son is one of my uh, better friends. Um, so people just made it seem like because I was like, hey, Coach Richardson didn't come and all these other coaches are coming, I held that against Arkansas and I held that against him. Um, and that's why I was looking at the schools. That's not, that's not the case at all. The reason why I was looking at other schools is I know I knew so much about Arkansas. I wanted to know um, uh, about other options, and that's why I was uh, in, in inviting you know people to come in and recruit me. It wasn't like I was like, "Hey, no, it's you know I'm not looking at you guys." Um, but uh, you know, unfortunately, he ended up getting fired. Um, Stan Heath got the job, 
And it was just like, you know, I told I, the first time I talked to him, he asked me who's re- recruiting me. And I told him, you know, Kansas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, uh, Florida, North Carolina, uh, UConn, um, Ole Miss. I took an official Ole Miss. And he was like, well, how serious are you about those schools? I was like, I'm pretty serious. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I talk to him every week and, you know, they, they have come to games, come to practice. He told, he told me the way that I can show you that I want you and I want you on this team um, and how much of, uh, of importance it is to you. I guarantee you that nobody's going to out recruit and outwork us um, during this recruitment. And he lit, I mean, the day he got hired, I got a call and he literally had been to uh, per NCAA rules as many practices and as many um, uh, uh, high school games and as many AU games as you possibly could. And he basically outworked the competition. He, because he was so close, he was able to, to come and, and visit and, and, and catch games when he was in town, opposed to other schools that had maybe on so many saw me a couple of times in high school season, a couple of times in AU season. So he really outworked everybody. And that's the reason I chose Arkansas because it was a good fit for me. And Ronnie, one, th- one question that I was really looking forward to asking you, cause I've never actually heard the story uh, throughout your career. There was a lot of talk about di- your different, unique, whatever name the word you're shot due to an arm injury. What is the story on that? Like how, what happened uh, to your elbow or to your arm? What was it that, that happened? Okay, so so basically, um, again at that at that barbecue event that with the Razorbacks, um, it was either ninety five, ninety four, ninety five summer. Um, we were at Beaver Lake. Um, Mike Anderson Jr., Matthew Peterson, uh, Bo Richardson, uh, and a couple of other kids were playing on this big slide. And we all have life vests on because the slide shoots you way out in the water. Well, you know, I was cool with the water slide shoot me out in the water. I had the life vest on. Well, um, I could kind of notice that there were like bubbles on the slide. I was like, why is there bubbles on the slide? Um, well, people were putting um, uh, soap on the slide, I guess, apparently. And I kind of slipped, slipped because guys were like kind of trying to go down the slide and uh, push push um down the slide and it shot me down the slide and I tried to put the brakes on by putting my arms on the slide and the water was hitting me in my face so I couldn't really see but there was a big pole at the bottom of the slide that was holding the slide on ground above the ground to um make sure it shot you out in the, in the middle of the lake and it ended up hitting my arm and breaking into a compound fracture the way it healed um uh, I mean, I did everything that they told me to do exactly, but the way it healed um, is basically the com- most comfortable way I could shoot the basketballs is kind of what it grew into. And um, yeah, I mean, that's basically it. That's that's no crazy story about you know I, you know it's just I had a water water slide accident, broke my arm. That's how it healed, and. Um, and uh, I just worked on it to make it consistent and didn't and didn't change it. So you basically just had to at about 10, 11 years old, had to just teach yourself how to shoot again. Um, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, so you get into your, your Razorback career and the first two years were not so great. But I'll tell you the I think that everybody will agree with me that the, the best moment 
was, or and I mean, I can't speak for you, but uh, against tenth ranked Florida on February eighth, two thousand six, when you stole that ball in, in OT, and you're you're getting pumped up, your teammates are getting pumped up, Bud Walton's going crazy, and then moments later, you hit the free throw to get the fat lady singing. Mm-hmm. What was that moment like at that moment? Whenever you got the steal, before you go to the foul line, once you hit that free throw, just kind of walk us through that moment. Well. Um... It was a crazy day just because we thought the game was going to get canceled because of the weather conditions. But, you know, we said, hey, if there's one fan or a thousand fans, we're going to leave it all on the court. We are going to um, we are going to play as hard as we possibly can. Um, And, you know, if it's if it's if it's, you know, down the stretch. You know, big time players make big time plays, and you know who's that going to? Who was that going to be? You know, if it was going to be me, if it was going to be Jonathan Modica, if it was going to be Dante Jefferson, you know, Darian Towns, Stephen Hill, somebody was Charles Thomas, somebody's going to have to make plays. Eric Ferguson, um, and you know, the Florida Florida players were talking trash um, all game, and they they have every right to they they earn that right, uh, uh, and. You know, it, it got down to <clears throat> we were we're keeping it close, keeping it close, keeping it close. And um, you know, had an opportunity to to get it to overtime, you know, knock down a big time shot coming off a cur- a play that we ran curled, and I think Eric Ferguson got it to me. I knocked down a shot, and you know, we knew that hey, if we gotta stop, you know, we can we can secure the win and you know, I try to bait him, fake at him and then then shoot the gap and that's what I did and you know thinking about it you know we probably could have ran down there and got a layup but you know I had to think quickly and say hey let's hold the ball run some clock um take it to the line and ice it and um you know don't give an opportunity to come down and 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 shoot a three or whatnot to send it to another overtime and so um we were very appreciative uh, the fans that did show up because they, I mean, they could have been at home and been safe and watching on T on TV. I think at the time it was Jefferson pilot was, uh, um, Jefferson pilot. I was covering the game and, you know, it was so much excitement and, and, and people were really excited about, um, us winning that, but we knew, you know, that was just, you know, that, that didn't, um, make our season. We still had a lot of work to do, to put ourselves in, in a position to make it to the NCAA tournament because that was the ultimate goal. Um, and then we, I mean, that same season, we beat Alabama, who was ranked. We beat Tennessee, who was ranked. Um, you know, and, and that's not that's not an easy task to do, you know, going on the road to Tennessee, uh, protecting home court uh, on ESPN versus Alabama. Um, so kudos to our team, kudos to our coaches because they, prepared, they got us prepared. And, you know, also our, our fans – um, you know, we're with us the whole entire season. So we were all excited to get the win, but we knew that our work wasn't cut out for it. We still had work to do. Well, and after that Florida game, you, you kind of just going off of what you said, you guys won your your final four regular season games. You beat Georgia in the SEC tournament. Actually, you beat Georgia in the last regular season game, then in the SEC tourney, and then ended up getting uh, the nod against Bucknell to make it back to 
the NCAA tournament. Well, after the NCAA tournament, you decided that you were going to go pro. Mm-hmm. And when you declared, what was the highest pick out of all the mock drafts that you had seen, or not even really mock drafts that the analysts had put out? What were you hearing from people that was the highest that you were going to go? <laughs> so there's a hotline that you can call, and they tell you like the pro, the pros and cons of going to the NBA, and they and they break down your strength and weaknesses, and they they tell you kind of like the the range that they're hearing that you might go. So, you know, I'm in there with with Coach Heath and Coach Telefero, um, and my mom and my dad, and we're sitting there, and we I, I make the call, and I hear the guy, and he's like, you know, Ronnie Brewer, like I, I, I you know, a lot of people are fans of yours, and um, he's like, I can't say that you can get up to the, you know, one, the first pick, second, or third, um, but if I was you, what I'm hearing is that you could be anywhere from like the number five to 14 range. And I was like, really? He was like, yeah. And so my eyes lit up like, wow, that's crazy. I didn't even think that I was going to be that high, but at least I got to visit the the, the possibility. And, um, uh, you know, talk with it over with Coach Heath, Telefero, my parents. And I was like, man, this is just too good of a, a, a opportunity. And, you know, my mom was mad about it. My mom was like, uh, um, you know, you didn't sign um, a letter of intent saying that you were going to college here for three years. You signed a letter of intent with Coach Heath in, in the University of Arkansas saying that you were going for four years and that you were going to graduate. You made that promise to me. So basically right then and there, had to make a pact with my mom, like, no matter what, you know, because technically um, when you declare for the draft, the tournament's over in, in March, and you have to declare pretty quick um, – your intentions. So by April, I was already like out of school. So I had to drop my whole second semester. So technically I went to school for two years in one semester. Um, cause my second semester of my third year didn't count. So to finish, I would have basically, um, a year and a semester to finish. So, Throughout my playing career, I did online classes. In the summertime, I would come back and do classes because I made that pact and promised my mom right there when I made the decision uh, that I would graduate college. And, you know, I did that and I ended up graduating in 2015. And so you ended up being uh, the 14th pick overall, the last lottery pick in the 2006 NFL draft. As the 10th, 11th, 12th pick, as they started to go by, what was going through your mind or had you already heard from the Jazz? I mean, obviously, yeah. just to get drafted at all, especially in the first round, yeah. is amazing. But still, you know, you're wanting to be – I still remember, actually, the night that you got drafted. I was playing – I was a horrible basketball player, never made the team or anything like that. I was a football guy, but I was actually out shooting hoops with my buddy, and we happened to come inside. We kept going back and forth from inside to outside uh, with on the basketball goal to see where you were getting picked. And I remember as we were about to walk back out, we heard your name called. So what was going through your mind as the 10th, 11th, and 12th pick were there, like right, right around there on the outside looking in of the lottery? So I, honestly, I don't know if they were, because I was obviously there. I don't know what the, what, the, what the camera for the people at home was actually showing, but I honestly was having like an anxiety and a panic attack because – uh, after talking with the guy on the phone, I knew I wasn't going to be the first, second, or third pick, or possibly the fourth pick. So I worked out for the fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, eleventh, and the twelfth team. I had eight workouts. Um, 
13 and 14, I did not work out. I did, I did um, interviews with them. So, so at the fourth pick, everybody's assuming, you know, Rudy Gay's going to go to number four. And so four pick comes around. Rudy Gay's not there. Sheldon, Sheldon Williams goes high up there. And um, who else went high? Like uh, uh, Brandon Roy and Randy Foyer. And um, you've got some other guys that went way too high. And so I'm looking like, wow, uh, like where am I going to go now? Because like I know I didn't work out for all these teams um, and I haven't been picked. And um, <laughs> so I kind of was nervous. I was like, well, I hope this wasn't a bad decision to, uh, you know, put my name in the draft because, you know, they said I was going to be anywhere from like five to 14 and, you know, now 10 comes and the people who are supposed to be ranked way higher are still on the board. Um, and uh, just panicked a little bit. But, you know, my mom basically was like there right next to me saying, you need to stay calm, pray about it. It's going to be OK. Um, and, you know, God has brought us this far. And, and I think that helped me a little bit. Um, so when my name was called, I was a little startled because I was like, man, I didn't I didn't honestly didn't know where I was going uh, at that point. Uh, but, um, you know, my agent received a call, handed me the phone. They tell me, Hey, we're going to take you with the 14th pick. I was like, okay. Right after that, they, they, they give me, uh, they, they call my name out and I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Like this is real. Uh, and I go up there and I shake David Stern's hand and one of the greatest moments of my life, you know, being in front of the whole Madison square garden crowd that shows up and you know, you never know, you never know how, um, they're going to accept you. You don't know if they're going to cheer for you. You don't know if they're going to boo you. you. You don't know what they're going to do. And so, um, you know, being there, it was, it was good because, um, you know, I got a good, good, you know, cheer and people were really, really um, happy that, that they picked me. So I was excited about that. And, um, you know, kind of the rest is history. The coach that drafted you, Jerry Sloan, he passed away on on May twenty second. An incredible coach that probably should have had a couple of uh, championships had it not been for the Bulls in the nineties. But talk about the impact that he had on your career. He obviously, again, he drafted you and and you you played for him for a few years and then had a pretty long career after that. Just just talk about what impact he had and and your development. A huge impact. I mean, he literally was a realist and never sugar-coated anything um and you know he taught me what it meant to be a true professional taught me the true meaning of what it meant to actually really work hard um and you know never really um like he held you accountable and um you know a lot of things i mean everything was a, a teaching lesson in my opinion um because um you know, you come in not knowing, you, I mean, you don't know, <laughs> you don't know what it is about, uh, being a professional. Um, and so, um, you know, he, it meant a lot to me and it helped my development. It kept me in the league for a long time. Um, and I, you know, I really appreciated his guidance and his help. And, um, you know, I think he'll be greatly missed. Uh, not by not only by former players, but I think everybody in the NBA and everybody he he was around and affected throughout his lifetime. 
And as we close out here, I, I wanted to talk about the prolific players that you played with. You played with Derrick Rose at the time that he had got the M- NBA MVP. You played with Carmelo Anthony in New York. And when you were in OKC for a brief time, you were with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Kevin Durant. Before we get into maybe one of the crazy one of the uh, craziest stories that you're able to tell about any of those guys, uh, I was uh, requested by Keith Kelly, the TBT basketball team uh, GM, to ask about your Jimmy Butler story. So we'll talk about that first, and then we'll get into uh, these guys I just mentioned. Well, you know, uh, kind of how the paternity is in the NBA is, you know, you have a younger guy who's who's your rook. Um, you know, it depends on how 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 you were mentored as as a as a young player. Um, for me, I had Derek Fisher as my mentor, um, and you know he meant the world to me just because he was a Arkansas guy. He looked out for us, you know, bought us our first suits to to be able to you know dress and look the part as a professional going to games. Um, so for Jimmy, when he came on, I didn't really know. I mean, I watched the draft and I, and I watched college basketball, but I, don't, I didn't know who Jimmy Butler was. Um, and, you know, I remember seeing him at the um, summer league doing well, doing well. And I remember um, <laughs> I remember being on the road and, uh, and I'm in my room and I'm like, man, what in the world is that racket? What, what, is, what is going on? And like, I, I turn my TV down and it's music blasting. So I open up my door and I go in the hall. I was like, man, who is to play this music? Well, I'm knocking the door. Jimmy comes to the door in a cowboy hat, cowboy boots, blasting country music. And I'm like, are you okay? And he was like, yeah, man. I was like, what are you doing? He's like, man, I'm just relaxing in the room. And I was like, why do you have a cowboy hat and cowboy boots on and blasting country music at this time of night? He was like, I mean, I don't know. Is it too loud? I'll turn it down. I was like, no, I'm, I just didn't know. I was like, can you, I mean, you can turn it down just a little bit. I'm not like saying like you have to like be a mute, but well, he goes on. It was like, Hey man, like, do you mind if I come in your room and, and you know, ask you some questions and stuff? And it's like, yeah, no problem. And we got to talking. I, you know, asked me about my family, asked him about his family. And I basically at that time, I find out who Jimmy Butler was as a person. And from that point on, we have had a close bond and we basically was inseparable trying to show him the ropes. He then, you know, continues to work, continues to work. Um, and, you know, Lou Alding had a big part of that too. You know, that's kind of the, the environment that our position coach, Adrian Griffin um, made and instilled in us. Like, you know, you got to be your brother's keeper. Like one thing is there, there's never going to be a t- point in time where, they point and say it's the, the shooting guards or small forwards parts because we're going to do our part on both ends of the floor. And, you know, from that on, like me and Lou became really good friends with Jimmy Butler. And now Jimmy uh, <clears throat> uh, um, you know, he comes to Fayetteville every once in a while. He's been to my basketball camp. You know, he, he reaches out a lot of times, says some really nice stuff about me in, in different interviews and you know, he's just a crazy guy, different character, but I, I love his intensity. I love who he is as a person. Um, you know, he, he, he's turned into a, a quite, quite a character, but I love it because it shows that who, is he, who he is as a person. I mean, I can go on, on and on about stories, personal stories, but, you know, that's basically keeping it pretty um, 
pretty simple um, with 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 Jimmy. Uh, but I, I've been blessed um, with by this game of basketball. Like you said, I got drafted by Utah. Played with Andre Kirilenko, one of the most versatile guys coming from Russia and overseas. Memno Kerr from Turkey. Both guys were all stars um, uh, at one one time or another. Got to play with D. Will, um, Darren Williams, and Carlos Boozer, who were all stars when I was there. I uh, got to play with Paul Millsap, uh, Wes Matthews, who went on to be great players uh, in Utah. Um, I then leave Utah, played played for Memphis for a little short span. Meet Marcus Saul, great guy. Zach Randolph, great teammate. Uh, Rudy Gay, one of my best friends because we, we played AU basketball against each other and went through the draft process together. Mike Conley from Northwest Arkansas um, grew up here, then moved to Ohio. Um, you know, OJ Mayo was great. Leave there. I go to Chicago. Derrick Rose wins the MVP while I'm there my first year. You know, roller coaster ride up and down. Doesn't change anything for the world. Luau Ding's great player, has get, get, was an all star. Jimmy Butler comes on, great player. Play with Rip Hamilton, uh, Joakim Noah, great teammates. Um, Todd Gibson, great teammate. Um, after that, I go sign with the Knicks. Now I'm, I'm playing with Melo. Um, great teammate, Mari Stoudemire, Jason Kidd, Marcus Camby, Kurt Thomas, um, J.R. Smith, Amon Shumpert. I mean, you can go down the list of how many great guys I played with. I get traded to Oklahoma City. That's the year that Kevin Durant wins the MVP. Yeah, playing alongside a Russell Westbrook, one of the most dynamic guards in the league. Serge Ibaka, great, great guy. Kevin Martin, great guy off the bench. We both came in there um, throughout the season. After that, I signed with Houston, played with Dwight Howard, and played with James Harden. Um, you know, it was great. Jeremy Lin was, you know, still, still doing a great job. So I, I, I've been put in a situation where uh, – you know, been able to play with some really good players and, you know, some really, really good coaches. Ronnie, I want to go back to, you brought up Mike Connolly, and I don't think that people talk about the Connollys enough, especially Arkansas fans. I understand that Mike Connolly Jr., you know, he went to Ohio State, uh, but at the end of the day, is has been one of the best point guards in the league that people don't talk about. And his dad, a gold medalist that was was a incredible track athlete for the University of Arkansas, Go back, reflect a little bit more on the relationship that I imagine that your dad, Ron Brewer, has with Mike Conley Sr. and that you have with Mike Conley Jr. Man, it's so it's so crazy that that you brought that up because um during we have we have a uh, Ronnie Brewer Foundation Gala every year. And, you know, we we award different um ground breaking people in the community um for whatever reason, whatever they did, if it's athletic, um or in the community or com- combination of both. Um, we, we awarded Mike Conley <clears throat> uh, one year. And it's the crazy thing is, you know, as a kid, you know, it was hard, to, not necessarily hard to listen to my dad because my dad was, when he, when he was my coach, he was hard on me. He, he, Cause he saw me play against my sister, saw me get play my brothers and he knew what to expect of me. So he would be hard on me because he, knew and he expected better um than a lot of you know maybe maybe my classmates so <laughs> and the same thing with mike mike jr mike conley jr so it's funny that like mike conley senior created the arkansas hawks 
Um, I then played for them and I would go to practices. Mike, Mike senior would take me to practices and, you know, my, my dad was coaching my sister's AU team, the Arkansas bullets. But, um, you know, I, I was, I was, uh, playing for Mike Conley and he was my coach and my mentor. Um, because I, I mean, I had a good relationship with them and, and, you know, it, was just, it just ran smoothly. The, the, the coaching was a lot different. Well, Mike senior sent Mike junior to go play for my dad and, 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 my dad be his his um, basketball coach um, and, and and coached him, and it worked out really well. So we'd say, man, believe it or not, like we they both affected each, you know each other's kids' lives um, for the better. And uh, you know, we're, my family is very appreciative of that for for um, creating that program and allowing me to uh, um, kind of outlet to be able to showcase my skills and you know. You know, I, I assume that they, they, they are appreciative of my dad helping Mike Jr. out. Yeah, it's just really crazy because I, I didn't really think about it until now because it's it's not talked about enough. And maybe that's partly because, again, you know, Mike, Mike Jr. didn't go to Arkansas. But either way, that's really kind of irrelevant because you think about the impact that Mike Sr. had and that your dad had on the university and what you had. So there's 75% of it right there that is just not talked about enough from the state of Arkansas and uh, just the impact that you guys have had athletically and any way you look at it. Uh, so really, really interesting story there. But Ronnie, it's uh, it's been great talking with you, man. Really appreciate you you hopping on and, uh, you know, just appreciate all that you've you did for Arkansas and that you're continuing to do with your foundation. Um, you know, your family has been ambassadors for this state dating back 40 plus years uh, from when your dad was playing and then from what you have done and really just appreciate what all y'all have done uh, for the state and and with your foundation that you continue to do well, i appreciate that um i appreciate you having me on um and uh anytime that you want me to come back on and just you know give me a shout i'm more than welcome to come on and and and, and be on here so it was, it was a pleasure and i had a really good time well, that will do it for this bonus episode with Ronnie Brewer. Thank you guys, as always, for listening. My name's Kyle Sutherland. We'll catch you guys next time. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube